You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Good morning, and welcome to The Voice of Charity. I'm Phil Zepeda with Catholic Charities, and we are delighted to be with you here at WNDZ 750 AM in Chicago, as well as our live stream on YouTube and Facebook at Catholic Chicago. So in March of this year, the World Health Organization released a scientific brief stating that in the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic, a a global prevalence of anxiety and depression increased by a massive 25%. The brief said that some of the reasons for the increase are, number one, the unprecedented stress caused by fear about the pandemic, of course, right? And two, the social isolation resulting from that. Uh, It also cited factors that were consistent uh, in in constraints on people's ability to work um, and seeking support from loved ones to engage in their communities, right? That complete isolation factor. Now, according to the Center for Disease Control, mental, emotional, and psychological health concerns have risen so much in the past two years that this is considered to be a global public health issue. And because of these developments, behavioral health providers around the country are taking a closer look at how they provide services to their clients and the outcomes they're seeing from those treatment plans. And that includes Catholic Charities. At Catholic Charities, our behavioral health programs are tailored to meet client needs where they are at. And our experienced professionals are widely respected for the uh, results that they help clients achieve. Trauma-informed therapy. Trauma-informed therapy is often used to help clients. And here to tell us more about this important topic is Ellen Tannenbaum, our director of Catholic Charities Youth Counseling Programs. Ellen So glad to have you on The Voice of Charity. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Phil. So great great to have you here. I want to get momentarily into understanding more what trauma-informed therapy is, but I'd love you to start if you can talk about the behavioral health programs, the universe of of all the the, the different types of programs that Catholic Charities offers that, that focus on behavioral health. Well, Catholic Charities has um, offering is offers therapy services to folks ages three and older. So for most of the lifespan throughout Cook and Lake Counties, our programming is a mix of grant-based funding, uh, which means that uh, it's free for for participants, and then uh, we also have programming through your insurance card. And um, a lot of our clients have Medicaid and access programs at no cost to them through their insurance. Um, Our bread and butter is sort of individual and family therapy, but we also offer um, some couples work, some domestic violence, substance abuse, um, and 
sometimes we can connect families to psychiatric services. So Ellen, it's really across the entire <laughs> the lifespan uh, that we have these touch points for behavioral health programs, which is truly remarkable um, and something that, that makes Catholic Charities distinct. I want to get a little bit more into understanding trauma-informed therapy. It's a, it's a central way the treatment plans are created with clients. Talk to us a little bit more about this so that we can understand more about this type of therapy. Well, I think it's useful to sort of talk about what is therapy first. Um, therapy is trying to provide a safe and confidential space for a person to talk to a professional about their personal experiences, their thoughts, their feelings, or their problems. Um, trauma-focused therapy is, and trauma-informed therapy is really a specific approach to therapy that recognizes and um, emphasizes understanding about a particular traumatic experience or experiences that are affecting somebody's mental and emotional, their spiritual well-being, um, and maybe their behavior on a day-to-day -day basis. And the goal of trauma-informed therapy is really to bring somebody back to a feeling of safety. Um, and we want folks to be active in the conversation about what feels important um, and, and what feels, what, what does safety look like for them? Right, and, and helping them through, through conversations and dialogue and through that therapy, work, work that through and, and surface those elements. Talk to us about what are, what are some of the examples of trauma that you've heard from clients who come to Catholic Charities for assistance? Um, this one's a sad question um, because we have folks come to us after physical and sexual violence. Um, they come to us for after gun violence. We have uh, a partnership with the Chicago Advocacy Center that uh, investigates child sexual abuse. And so after they've been investigated, they're offered therapy services and we are their um, primary partner right now, taking a lot of their uh, families, their children, um, and the parents who've also been traumatized by this event. Um, in the our loss program, we're supporting uh, folks who've experienced a suicide in their family. Um, and so the loss program has folks who specialize in, in supporting children and adults who have survived um, this kind of trauma. Um, so violence, unfortunately, is a huge, a huge piece of the trauma, but sometimes also neglect is. And, and sometimes it's the absence of needs being met that is uh, another key factor for what brings people to us. Right. And you mentioned, yeah, that is incredibly sad. Does Ellen, does, does trauma-informed therapy differ depending on whether the client has experienced trauma recently or further in the past? I'm, I'm assume it, it would. I, I was a Red Cross disaster responder at 9-11, you know, more than 20 years ago. And I, I work with, um, or I, I worked with individuals who almost now are just coming to terms with some of the trauma and the, and the grief and the burden that they faced back then. But I, I'd love to hear that, that, that temporal or that time frame difference on trauma that happened previously versus trauma that's been more recent. Well, I think you're doing a great example of sort of talking about how there's a different reaction, right? as we've been hit with 
um, the stress of a traumatic event. Um, and then how you may need to process the trauma later because it may mean something different to you. So first we wanna like really be assessing where are you at right now? Like if we go to, if, if the event has just happened, then I really wanna find out what is your functioning at this time? How are you grounded in your body? Are you even here? Because many people, they're, they're somewhere else. And so we're going to be working on trying to bring them present into the body um, so that they can attend to the things that they need to do every day, take care of um, their children, or if their children go to school, answer their mom and dad about questions, be safe, hear a car coming. So, I mean, if, if your dissociation is, which we call it when you sort of leave your body, is very present, the first thing we need to do is make sure we get you back in your body so that you can be safe and realize that maybe there's a time and a place to address the trauma, but I need you here and safe um, when you want to be. That makes so that I think is the biggest difference when we're first working with somebody right after a crisis. That makes total sense. And, and thank you for providing that, that perspective. I've heard that trauma can also differ whether the individual has experienced it with other people, right? So that it, it takes on a different, uh, different face, whether it's a pandemic or an earthquake, or as I mentioned, a, a terrorist attack. Um, how does this affect a client's, a client's treatment plan? Um, I think that goes to kind of to the art of therapy is trying to figure out between the practitioner and the client. Um, and if it's a child, the parent, the whole family system or whoever is part of that family system is helping us figure out sort of let's have a few sessions maybe to figure out what we're hearing about what's going on, about what it feels like to be in your skin right now. And then let's start figuring out maybe how to prioritize things, right? And so um, sometimes also like there's a multiple traumas, right? And so something like a pandemic or, or a seeming, seemingly minor trauma can kick off all this stuff from underlying bigger T traumas, right? And so you're trying to figure that out with somebody about where do we want to start? Um, Got it. Yeah, what's yeah. important now? So let's get into the, the, the Catholic Charities surge that we've seen related to uh, pandemic cases and, and, the, and the entire environment in which we, we live in society now. It, can you help us get some greater perspective on how the number of clients has risen uh, over the past three and four years prior to the pandemic and, and what we're seeing now? Well, the, the desire for, for mental health services has never been higher. I mean, I think part of that happened a little bit with the expansion of health insurance uh, through the Affordable Care Act, which recognized that mental health or behavioral health services were important and should be covered by insurance, all insurance, whether or not um, it was public aid or whether or not it's, you know, your commercial employer-based insurance. So that sort of started changing the trend. And when people knew that maybe they could get some coverage to support them with their mental health. So we sort of started seeing creeping um, 
numbers with access, right? Right. And then what happened is that we've, de- that as a society, we've sort of decreased stigma around mental health. I think a lot more people are open to the idea that um, we have an internal dialogue. Um, it's often not kind. It's built around survival. Um, and that we're trying to learn how to have healthy habits so that we take care of it and that we honor um, what's our experiences so that we can sort of achieve more of our optimal health and maybe not continue patterns um, that we didn't think we benefited from. Ellen, talk to us about your your team, your amazing team of, of counselors and how they've had to adapt to this this greater need for for uh, for therapy within Catholic charities and, and their own resilience or their struggles uh, help us help us get an accurate depiction of that. Well, I think we're doing better than we were during the pandemic. I think it was incredible. We have a team of about twenty five at the time um, and bigger across the agency. I mean, there were about uh, seventy five of us and. Um, but my own particular team, I can speak to about, you know, we were experiencing the pandemic um, while with, and we had never provided telehealth services before. So we had to learn right. this new way of interacting. We weren't even sure could, for us, whether we could work with children online. Um, and then if so, how? Um, and then trying to figure out, you know, when we figured out that piece of the puzzle about how to engage people from their home, then how do we figure out, like, then people started showing up all the time because they didn't have barriers around transportation. They didn't have the barriers of after-school activities or family events. Um, And so attendance was incredibly high and which was great for treatment, but also just, it was a lot on everybody. of course, I think the need was also incredible. I mean, folks were going into psychiatric hospitals. Um, people, we were calling the hotline a lot because there was an increase in domestic violence, which meant that there was an increase in um, probably physical uh, abuse and maybe sexual abuse that's happening in the home. Um, that's not getting caught maybe by the regular school systems. So now that we're sort of creeping out of that pandemic, I think we're all getting a b- breath. Um, and trying to kind of now figure out like, well, where am I now? Right. Because we've taken some of the intensity of the pandemic, but it's not over. Right. We're, we're still going through it. We're going to, we're going to take this opportunity to give you a breath. We're going to throw it to commercial. Ellen, uh, stand by with us because there's, there's more to talk with you about the, um, the, uh, behavioral health programs within Catholic Charities. I'm Phil Zapata. This is the Voice of Charity on Catholic Chicago. We'll be right back. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. 
You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs. Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program has been 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 We are at the Most Blessed Trinity Parish Food Pantry in Waukegan. And here we uh, care for people in need. There was definitely an uptick in the needs for services. We doubled our volume after COVID hit. From servicing about 250 families a week to about 500 a week. We supply bread, tortillas, vegetables, milk, cheese, butter, uh, proteins, fish, chicken, eggs. Well, the annual Catholic Appeal has been a tremendous help to us, especially over the past year and a half. Without the annual Catholic Appeal, we might have to close our doors. Um, our parish is the largest one in the archdiocese, but it's very poor. We think about food, and we think about nourishment, but we also nourish the soul, provide that connection to humanity. The good works here are made possible through the annual Catholic Appeal. Make your gift at annualcatholicappeal.com. Welcome back to The Voice of Charity. I'm Phil Zapeta with Catholic Charities. I'm here talking with my colleague, Ellen Tannenbaum, who's the director of Catholic Charities Youth Counseling Programs. Ellen, uh, great to have you here. We've been talking a lot about the behavioral health programs within Catholic Charities and the rise um, that we've seen uh, during and in these strange phase days of, uh, of the pandemic right now. Ellen, talk to us uh, more about um, the, the length of time that we see our clients. I'm sure it spans the gamut and nothing necessarily even characterized as an average, but let us know about the length of time that we're working with individuals and families. Well, I'd say we have an average about six months, um, but I think, you know, because of our long history with child welfare and some of the very complicated nature of youth who've um, come to us because of severe and chronic um, trauma, we have some of those clients for a number of years. Yeah. Um, but I would say most folks are, are in and out in about six months. Tell us, you know, about uh, in addition to therapy, other ways that clients can help in their own recovery process too. I imagine giving them uh, uh, tools and, and behaviors that they can address. What what might some of those be that you could share with our audience? Well, I think the ones that, thanks to, to TikTok and social media, a lot of people are pretty aware about some sort of healthy habits they can have. Sleep is the number one thing that you can do for your mental health is make sure that you're having good quality sleep um, and talking to your healthcare provider if you're not having good sleep. Um, so that what I would say is the number one, also healthy nutrition, um, exercise, we know increases um, dopamine levels. And so can that can make you uh, feel pretty good. Um, and then, uh, you know, finding out what what personally helps you uh, 
de-stress or fills, fills you up spiritually. And that can be prayer, that can be connecting with friends, that can be um, reading a good book, um, taking a bath. I mean, for everybody that's different, but we do hope that we can try to figure out how to increase people's um, strengths and their ability to, to savor the positive um, while you're working on hard stuff too. Yeah, and those are all good reminders for all of us, whether we're in, in a therapy regimen or not, to take good care of ourselves with, with sleep and, and being social and in conversation and dialogue with family and friends. You mentioned uh, this the shift to telehealth, right, with, with doing counseling via Zoom and the strange environment that everyone in the business world and therapy world was now encountering as a way to deliver business and have, have these conversations. Um, and and, and the, the strange dynamic of that. I want to get a little bit more into that of are people more willing to connect via, uh, via Zoom or whatever digital uh, tool that they have because it's just so incredibly prevalent now. I wonder how it's facing itself longer term within the, the, be- the behavioral health world. Well, so we have a, we have a couple of different platforms that are HIPAA compliant, so private for yes. folks um, that we are able to offer people who want counseling via telehealth. And for obvious reasons, most being, you know, transportation, um, if somebody can find uh, a private space where they can access telehealth, a lot of folks love it um, because they can um, eliminate any barriers that they would have in childcare or in um, transportation costs associated, especially with fuel being so expensive right now, um, even CTA costs. Um, so a, a lot of folks are still preferring telehealth. Um, I think the the challenge is sometimes with clinically we don't think that's appropriate, and so we're working. Right. Then we work with those families on figuring out how to how you should come in because maybe we we're not getting the results we need. We're going to try it in person, see if we get something different. Ellen, what what percentage do you think is is telehealth ver- versus in person? I'd say sixty percent still are are telehealth services. That's that's pretty um, tremendous. It's tremendous. And, and, and profound. Um, I'd love to hear if, if you can share, obviously, with a, a good deal of, of anonymity, um, any client stories that, that are remarkable to you of individuals or families that we've helped um, struggling through the pandemic for whatever reason, and, and you, you've listed a, a, a myriad of these. I'd love to hear what's, what's touched your heart and you might share with our listeners. Well, when I came to Catholic Charities, um, the one thing that was remarkable was to me was the the experience of our staff to deal with really complicated trauma. Um, and and certainly we have families who are just, I hate to say just, but sort of experiencing the stress of um, changes in their family system and they need support around that. Um, uh, but, you know, I, what struck me was that we had a, a child that we worked with who was raised in a cage and mm. um, he was largely nonverbal um, because of that 
extreme example, right? Extreme trauma. And so we work with him for a number of years, sort of non-verbally and then and through the use of food and nurturing um, and sort of worked up to where he was getting better at sort of being able to express his needs and, um, and not have sort of tantrums, sort of de develop some age appropriate skills. And while he's an extreme, he's not that uncommon. Um, that we have a number of clients that be, because on the youth side that because that their development was stunted because of what they experienced in childhood. And so they're really coming to us after they're getting in trouble at school because they act weird or difficult or out of control. And our therapists come in and try to really work with whoever is part of that child's system. Um, and in this case, that was a child who had already had to move into a residential facility because of the extreme behaviors that he had. And so we really worked with his residential home to also support him um, and maybe not get so upset. And so he was able to graduate into a um, what we think of as a more traditional foster home and, and move into a family. And then, of course, we we disconnected. But where our hope was that he ended up being adopted. You know, Ellen, I, I don't know how you, you you can't hear that story and not be affected. My goodness, when you you, know, you said, you know, we're raised in a cage, I, wow. You know, just the, 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 what, a, what a horrible, horrific situation for that, for that child to be put in. I, I imagine that it, it puts a, a strain even on the most heartened and a counselor and and staff and staff member tell talk to us a little about about the resilience of, of your own team in the face of of, of challenges of like hearing that that case well i mean we talk about what we call vicarious trauma the trauma that you experience from hearing traumatic things right and traumatic things sometimes all day long um i think that that was partly that can happen with working with clients on an everyday basis. I think that was compounded when you're having a traumatic experience in your own life. Um, and so we work with our therapists to really, we, have, we offer them weekly supervision to sort of really talk about sort of how their families are affecting them, what it's bringing out in them, making sure that our therapists are connected to their own therapists should they need to, so they can make sure that they're, you know, keeping things separate um, and that they're attending to their best self. And so, you know, we offer the same tools, which is, you know, are you doing body movement? Are you sleeping? Are you eating? Are you taking time off um, so that you can um, sort of, you know, the, the phrase is always, do you have the oxygen mask on before you try to help somebody else? Um, because you do want to make sure that you're in a healthy, grounded space if you're going to offer grace to somebody else. That's that's beautiful wisdom. Let me, um, as, as we're wrapping up our show here, if anyone in our audience is, is suffering or if they know someone who is suffering from mental health concerns, certainly Catholic Charities can, can be a resource for them within our own programs or to uh, for information or referral to other programs that, that may be more suited to their needs. What's the best way for people to contact Catholic Charities if they want to learn more about our mental health programs or, or trauma-informed therapy? 
Well, we're, we don't offer 24-hour crisis assistance. So I would encourage anybody who's feeling um, unsafe to call 911 or, um, or 988, uh, which is the new number. But if, if you're looking for a sort of um, outpatient therapy, you can reach us at 312-655-7191. 312-655-7191. You can also email us now at youthcounseling at catholiccharities.net. And we are able to direct you um, to whatever program that we're going to try to find the best program that the and fastest program. Uh, so we will ask you some questions to make sure that we are um, finding any and all services that are available to you. Ellen, thank you so much for joining us today. I applaud you and everyone on our behavioral health teams at Catholic Charities and the many ways that you rise to the challenges over the past few years and offer our clients a trusted path for recovery. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We invite you all again uh, to come back to us at The Voice of Charity. For now, this is Phil Zepeda, and we thank you for tuning in and believing in the mission of Catholic Charities. Thank you so much. Thanks, Phil.